Hey guys, it's your host Julian. This week I sit down with character designer Carrie Yost. We chat how Carrie got to Cartoon Network and what it was like working with Gendy, Craig McCracken, Scott Wills, Chris Riccardi, and so many other talented individuals to help bring his short together. We also do a little bit of chatting about the Powerpuff Girls movie, Clone High, and Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. I think you'll be able to tell right off the bat just how fun Carrie is. He had me laughing extremely hard from the get-go, and I don't think I've laughed this hard or this much in quite some time on the show. Don't forget, if you're enjoying the show, drop us a five-star rating and a review and tell a friend. Enjoy the show. On the What's in My Head podcast, we're going to talk some animation because Kara was in the in the animation field for quite some time. And uh, one thing that you mentioned, uh, I'm glad you did because we haven't had too much talking about uh, about this gentleman. He's no longer here. Chris Riccardi. Uh, Chris is probably responsible for one of my favorite uh, episodes. <clears throat> Excuse me, of Samurai Jack of all time, Chicken Jack. Um, and you had some. Uh, Do you say Chicken Jack? Chicken Jack, Is Samurai right? Jack. Yeah, it was when uh, old Jack got turned into a chicken. Uh, you remember that episode at all? I vaguely remember that one. I just, I don't like he. Uh, I, there's a couple that I'm a little more familiar with. The one with the Critchels. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and I think there was like a Middle Ages one he did with Aaron Springer. I'm going to be a little hazy on that stuff, but oh, no yeah. doubt that guy was just a phenomenal uh, talent, and and he had the ability to sort of take things from his sketches and just see it all the way through so they're as close to you know, like his vision as you can get. So when you watch those episodes of that show, but I think a lot of things, I think the Powerpuff Girls stuff he did and the Ren and Stimpy stuff he did, there's so much of him in it. Um, and he's done some pretty uh, noteworthy Ren and Stimpy episodes. Uh, I think Space Madness might have been one of the first sort of Ren and Stimpy episodes that got kind of like a, a almost like a cult-like uh, adherence where the dialogue was getting um sort of uh, uh remembered and uh um uh what would you call sort of turned into kind of like its own sort of uh cultural artifact yeah the zeitgeist. but yeah sorry going back to that episode if you want to talk about mm-hmm. uh oh, oh as a chicken. i think i remember seeing the pitch but i don't know if i could tell you a lot about oh, other no. than like uh like in general what it was like no, I stay away from those. The only reason I do avoid uh, Chris Riccardi in those days. <laughs> no, no, he's perfectly fine. <laughs> the, the, the only thing that I, I I try to stay away from is like specific episodes of anything because it's hard to remember what you did last week. It's even harder to do to remember something you did 25, 35, 45 years ago, depending on yeah. what we're talking about. Uh, but the reason I bring up Chris Riccardi is because we do this every time somebody that is no longer here uh, comes up in a conversation. We've done it with Tuck Tucker. Uh, legendary board. Oh yeah, another guy that that I work with on Ren and Stimpy. Yeah, yeah. We so, were like, uh, we were like in the kid kid playpen. Yeah. Um. Uh, but yeah, that's. I'm I'm glad you brought him up too. He's. Uh, I, trying to think of how to characterize him. Uh, without sounding incredibly milk toast, but he was a nice guy, and I'm sorry, it's a really boring thing to say about somebody, but he truly had this like like uh, sort of lovely, um, vibe to him uh and uh and then as far as as chris he had like an awesome sort of duality where he he felt gruff and people were maybe even scared to talk to him but uh he's ultimately like uh one of the like just had the one of the biggest parts um you could you could uh encounter in the business so he was like incredibly talented and uh uh kind of unafraid to say stuff which I think was why he terrified people. <laughs> he was from uh, Long Island and he had like this sort of gruff, um, I'm guessing Long Island kind of uh, vibe to him. And 
but he ultimately was a truly like kind, warm-hearted person. So if you hung out with him long enough, you realize that like a lot of his digs and a lot of his observations about you, which could be very cutting, and his caricatures were the most devastating, horrible, mean caricatures you could possibly imagine. He didn't actually have any ill will. In fact, he probably wanted you to be a you know have a better experience of your life. And, uh, uh, and, uh, so he was kind of an ideal sort of mentor figure to some of us, a semi mentor. He's like part peer, part mentor. We weren't that far apart in age, but it was enough. I think when I was in my early twenties, I think he was probably in his late or mid to late twenties. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I mean, aside from being just a monster talent, he also seemed to like be like not living, uh, as a, um, he he didn't come across as somebody who lived in sort of their own world. Like a lot of really talented, uh, prolific artists will kind of cultivate this sort of odd <laughs> kind of persona. Hello, and uh, uh, and he definitely was a character, but he was extremely uh, uh, people smart. I would say. Well, what's uh like I said, the reason we bring up the these ladies and gentlemen that are no longer here because uh, it's like I said, it's happened quite a few times with people. Uh, and Tuck Tucker's probably got my all time favorite story. It was actually by Craig Bartlett. Uh, he told us about Tuck's. Uh, so he was sorry. I just remember he's like a big he, he like practical jokes. I just don't remember any. <laughs> oh, I'll I'll tell you two of them. So uh, Dave Cunningham gave us one where <clears throat> he had put uh, Tuck had put honey on the inside of the receiver on a phone in Dave's office and he would keep calling Dave and then Dave was drawing and he didn't realize, hold on one second. He kept calling Dave prank calling Dave and that honey was on the inside of the phone receiver. So Dave kept putting it up to his ear, putting it down, putting it up to his ear, putting it down, putting it up to his ear, putting it down. And then he said, he just realized he went like this and then he pulled his hand away and he had honey all in his ear and he was like God, oh, it yeah. was tuck but my favorite tuck tucker story it was actually by craig bartlett ladies and gentlemen you go back and watch that episode it's our hangout episode uh was tuck was tired of his sandwich getting taken out and eaten by somebody that was not him so after many sandwiches that were stolen uh tuck decided wow. to put a shit inside two pieces of bread Ooh. wrap it up and put it in the communal fridge somebody came and took that sandwich and damn uh, after that, that sandwich was never taken again. So Tuck got to eat his sandwich. Oh. Uh, <clears throat> how Craig ends That would probably, like, if I were a sandwich thief, that might kind of end the party for me as well. I mean, you get a shit sandwich. I think it's going to end your day yeah. for sure. I mean, you're not taking anybody's sandwich anymore. But think about it this way, too. Who would be stealing sandwiches? It sounded like somebody was just hungry. Maybe they I, I wonder. Sandwich. Maybe he should have packed two sandwiches. Tuck. <sighs> I hate to be a judge. I Hindsight, you know, funny, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, it's funny. He reminds me a little bit of Tom McGrath. He, he and Tom both had this sort of like super, uh, like, um, sort of buoyant and friendly personalities, and were just horrible practical jokers. Mm -hmm. And by horrible, I mean actually quite good. But, but um, I'm glad I wasn't on the on the receiving end of a lot of those jokes. I probably wouldn't have taken them while I hate practical jokes so much. <laughs> I never do them to people because it's like, ah, oh, it's a horrible experience. I don't want that. I don't want to give it to anybody. But um, yeah, uh, Tom McGrath is pretty legendary. Um, and he did similar kinds of things like gluing phones, gluing receivers. Um, and 
in one case, uh, we were working on Ren and Stimpy. Chris Riccardi was working late. Um, he saw that somebody was getting attacked. Yeah, I think it was a might have been a single, might have been, I think it was, might have been two young women. This is going to sound dark as hell, but uh, he, uh, but it has a happy ending. So trigger non warning. Um, he uh, uh, witnessed the, these guys. This is crazy. It was like there's a nightclub across the street from where we worked at Games Animation on Sunset and Doheny. And uh, two young women were with these guys and they were trying to get the women into a van. Like they were going to like take off with them. And these women were obviously being attacked and were yelling. And uh, he went to go dial 911. And there had been this series of practical jokes where where Tom had hidden like hamburger patties in his files. Like, do we even have files? I don't know. But he, like, yeah, so you're going through files like, ugh, like, you're, like your, your layout folders are stuck with old hamburger <laughs> patties. And in this case, he had like he had glued the receiver down. So he like grabbed it and ran because he was going to grab it, grab it. I think he okay. So I'm getting the physics wrong of this. I'm realizing, but in any case, he was like he was going to call nine one one, and the receiver was glued down, so he couldn't. Uh, and uh, and, he, and he was like, oh fuck. So then he just screamed. It's actually the best thing that could happen. He screamed so loud across the street that these guys dropped the two young women and ran away like sped off in their van i'm pretty sure this is how the story like i'm, I'm not i don't think i'm adding too much or i might be getting a, a detail wrong or two but uh that just goes to show kids at home if you do practical jokes try to uh make them help yeah and in this case it might help because it made chris scream instead of just relying on 911, they would have gotten there too late anyway Good man, he's so. a real life, real life hero. But <clears throat> I didn't, I hadn't planned to use that anecdote, by the way. And you could probably tell, um, <laughs> he was a superhero. Uh, so yeah, I, I steered it right back to Chris Riccardi. Um, but Tom McGrath, another incredible artist. I, I, I'm probably boring to hear, but uh, there's like very few uh, artists that I do in animation that had that like level of drawing those level drawing chops and he went on to be a director. And I, I think he just like draws for the movies he works on, but you'll never see it. It's a shame because everything's computers. It sounds like it, man. But uh, thank you for sharing those stories. Cause like I said, anytime that yeah, something sure. no longer here with us, I like to, uh, you know, this, the whole reason I do this show is to highlight folks like yourself and everybody that I have on, uh, because with a lot of, with a lot of everything, I, that's such a stupid way to fucking say this, but with a lot of just an animation or any field that people go down, very rarely do you see uh, Robert Alvarez, you know, referred to himself as a technician. Very rarely do you get to see or hear from or even talk to the technicians, the folks that go in there and mm-hmm. the background painters, the in-betweeners, the fucking keyframe. Yeah. You know, all of these people. There's a lot of pride with, with, with a lot of these guys. And they really do have like a really direct influence, just as a lot of people in live action do. It's like you talk about editors, uh, I'm guessing board artists for live yeah. action too, who are effectively doing something that you think a director does, you know, or a creator does. Um, and I'm not going to be like, uh, you know, it's obvious I'm among those people. I didn't necess- I didn't really create anything that was on the level of the Powerpuff Girls. I would do incidental characters when I did design. Um, I have designed the cast for a show, but uh, much later, 
most of us are doing kind of plug and play stuff, but it, it really adds to the sort of richness of it. And, and uh, especially me, I mean, let's be honest. Um, but these painters are just like incredible. These, uh, these, uh, layout artists, um, modelers, um, and, and timers and, and, uh, Robert's case are really like just high end talents that, that made the things they worked on as good as they were. And in some cases were a big contributing factor Absolutely. to why they were as good as they were. Yeah. Yeah. I think, especially when you think of timing, it's, it's sort of like the invisible sort of quotient. That, that can kind of make or break a, a cartoon. <clears throat> Absolutely. I mean, Probably more like, important than character design, sadly. Well, to be honest, like, if you're going to act something, if you're going to cut something away, character designers first go, uh, keep the timer, the voice actors, <laughs> the character designers, just whatever, collage some stuff in there. Because uh, most of the stuff we do is totally inconsequential. Um, much like raising a child, man, it takes a village to raise a child and it takes a village to make anything in animation. I mean, one person can't do it all. And when I first started this podcast, it was very young and very naive and thinking like this, like you had one person, not one person doing everything, but like the one person did many, they wore many different hats. So the one person would background, would, would storyboard, would in between. And then it wasn't until, you know, I don't know how many episodes in where people really started breaking down the different uh, the just the different skills or not, not, not skills. What are the avenues that you could go in through with animation from background to painting to to fucking character design? You know, so it was wild just getting to see um, all of the different avenues that you guys can kind of split and go. Um, but like I said, uh, going back to Chris for just a second, man, it, it's when we get yeah. to talk about folks like him that are no longer here, like Tuck, they're no longer here. Those guys and gals that we bring up. They'll outlive me, but I'm doing my I'm trying to do my part. And like I said, giving you guys the spotlight, giving you guys the time to really uh, say thank you for what you guys have done, because what you guys have done has been so huge to me and so many huge or so huge, excuse me, to the folks that listen and watch the show on a regular basis. And like oh, I, said, I appreciate that speak or talk to you or hear, you know, I assume how- you're talking about me, too. Right. Am I included in this or no, not yet? Not yet. Next oh, time, you got to You got to sing. You gotta pass away. Before uh-huh. we, can, we can bring. Oh, you I gotta die for it. Got it. Okay. No, no. All, <laughs> jokes, all jokes aside, man. Like I said, this this whole thing is like a love letter to animation. It's like your guys' standing ovation, right? So when I ask people to come on, I really look forward to talking to you guys because, like I said, you guys might not have created the shows that we loved, but you were a huge part of making those shows a success. Um, whether you know a person thinks it's success or the, the network thinks it's success, there's somebody out there that thinks what you worked on is a success. And I, in my opinion, that's a win across every column in my book, man. Um, but taking it just a step back further, just a little bit, man, for the man's, the, not the man's, the fans that might know us. I think it's a Freudian. Man's slip. too. Yeah, yeah, man's, you know. Uh, <laughs> my man's, the fans. My man's, my man's, the fans. Uh, no, but taking a step back, man. Uh, what was your uh, initial introduction into Cartoon Network? Like, what was that whole story? I know you had talked before we came on. Oh, right? actually, yeah, Cartoon Network. I don't talk about that a lot. But uh, it, you, you had Fred Seibert on. Mm-hmm. Um, Fred Seibert, I think, I, I think it, as the story goes, at the urging of John Christopher Lucy, he created a shorts program for Santa Barbara, essentially early Cartoon Network. Um, but it was based at the Hanna-Barbera studio. Uh, and uh, so it was like a sort of a call for people to come in and pitch uh, short cartoon ideas. I think I came in in the second round. Uh, and I, there were a couple uh, cartoons that I was pitching 
And one of them you can see on YouTube is called Buy One, Get One Free. Uh, what a Cartoon was the name of the, the series. You might have talked about it with him. And this is where uh, Powerpuff Girls came from. And Dexter's Lab, I think, had its pilot or, or you know, like first uh, sort of uh, short. And um, Courage, the, Courage the Cowardly Dog, did I get that right? Yep, Courage, um, Bravo. That was another one as well. Johnny Bravo, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm probably leaving something out, but they were like, so uh, that's how it started. I'm trying to remember where I was prior to that. I think you had said. In up. any case, uh, okay. I'm at Disney. I think I was. I was. At, we were at Disney doing Snow Comes and Meat, Charlie Bean and I, and that's where we started coming up with this idea for these two cats. Uh, if you watch, you can see it's a very reminiscent. It's all, it, and and it's for good reason. It, it'll feel like Ren and Snippy because we essentially uh, had just worked on Ren and Snippy, and we got all our friends who were Ren and Snippy artists, including Chris uh to help out um and uh yeah it was like a, a a sort of a cartoon about two cats and you know the owner goes away and there's a huge party and it, it's like really simple it's a very simple premise and sort of an excuse to have like cool um settings and funny gags uh and uh um and i pitched another another cartoon that was like a film noir with birds but i mean we'd already seen good feathers so like it was maybe it was, it was probably a little redundant for them also they hated it uh but uh, uh joe arantia uh very yeah. funny guy very creative dude who worked um ren and snippy with me um it, uh i think he came up with the concept and we both sort of uh boarded it and he pitched it and he had been up all night and his back gave out and he was on dones back medicine and he pitched this cartoon with like all these kind of like dark sort of like film noir jokes and they hated it so much. They weren't, they weren't even like, they didn't care that they expressed how much they hated it in the, like at the end of the pitch, mm. like bye, kind of like that level. I think Fred Seibert even took me aside later. I was like, Hey, that, you know, that we're not trying to be assholes here. Sorry about that. Um, but, um, but that, um, Flopped and but the um, what we call fix and flinch original two characters monosyllabic. Oh, and actually, Ren and Snippy is three syllables, so I take that back. But uh, what became buy one get one free went over a lot better. Everybody in the room was laughing. They just were confused and uh, uh, and didn't know if if they should like it or not. But there were enough people in the room that were like, no, no, we should make this one. This is definitely a fun a fun thing. And uh, so anyway, that I, I think there's great work in that. Uh, Scott Wills uh, did a lot of the painting um, and a guy named Ramon, and I'm blanking on Ramon's last name, but he was a guy who painted with Scott a lot. And then uh, Don Shank and Charlie Bean and I directed it and Don did a lot, if not all of the layout. I'm sure he wa if he watches, if he watches this, Don, I'm sorry. I'm pretty sure he did everything. Uh, and then... Um, and then the three of us did character layout. And then we handed scenes out to Chris Riccardi, Lynn Naylor, Jim Smith, who I talked to you before, who was like a, just a phenomenal uh, layout artist, maybe one of the best. Um, uh, and, uh, and then some people who basically fucked us off. <laughs> I won't mention. <laughs> what are their names? Oh, yeah. You know what? You know who else? But, uh, Craig McCracken did uh, a layout on that. Uh, really? Genny Tartakovsky timed it. Yeah, it's like a, it's like really kind of like a crazy all-star cast that worked on our short. We were extremely fortunate 
it was never going to happen again. <laughs> like you don't realize you're going to get a collection of that much talent and mostly people kind of doing favors. Oh, the other thing is the soundtrack was done by a guy named Joey Altruda, who was a, um, a sort of a, a local LA musician mm-hmm. who was incredibly talented, did an album where he used all these Mancini musicians and he handled all the arrangements. And it sounds like legit old school. It's called cocktails with Joey. Anybody who's, who's uh, curious. And he just took tracks from his record free of charge. And then uh, the, the stuff where he had, you know, like we wanted to, we wanted music had to play along with the action. He he uh, recorded it in a, a loft with these musicians, one of whom was Plaz Johnson, who is famous for the saxophone part of the Pink Panther theme. Wow! So that was a highlight. Watching these guys play over the cartoon we'd made, um, and writing on the fly. I just uh, um, unbelievable. That might have been the most spectacular part of the cartoon, and people might not even notice that. But the music is just exceptional. Um, yeah, music backgrounds. The voice cast was amazing. I think the guy who voiced Samurai Jack is on there, but I can't remember. Bill Lamar. He might have been. Yeah, he might have done the the sort of the scared, um, nervous cat. Um, and I could be wrong. I'm, I'm probably getting that so wrong. <laughs> this is the this is the part where that, that's that's going to be really embarrassing. Um, oh, oh, damn! Hunter Rose was a guy who did the voice on that. Anyway, all the voice the voice actors were also amazing. And, and I don't know if we were old enough to really put it together. I think at that age we were so sort of keen on just sort of like proving that we didn't give a shit and we just wanted to make cool cartoons. Uh, which hey, you would think that 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 should count, but I I think we were less inclined to sort of like wear our ambition on our sleeves and go like, no, let's make this a series now, you know, and, and try to play ball that way. So there's a lot of things in there. You'll notice uh, if you watch it are uh, probably not ready for prime time or, you know, like incredibly, uh, um, you know, could say offensive, possibly uh, uh, um, at the very least controversial. Uh, but I think we were coming from a place where we were just kind of loving what we were doing. And then we just kind of ignored everybody who told us to stop it <laughs> and uh uh but they didn't ultimately they they let us make it it's just a seven minute short but it's like it's pretty spectacular at least for me um so that was how i got into cards network i did that short and then from there i just i kind of we went right into doing layouts for um character layouts for uh dexter's lab um and uh i think for a while i worked on cow and chicken as a freelancer, I did like storyboards for like a handful of episodes. Eventually, I went back. So, so Cartoon Network moved from Hanna Barbera to a place called the Garden Building, which is in the Sherman Oaks Galleria, which is uh, 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 famous from Valley Girl mm-hmm. song, I think. Uh, and they 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 tore it down, uh, like maybe uh, five years later. But but. Um, uh that's where they were they were making a warner brothers stuff there so they had like batman and one of the high rises there and then we were in this like this sort of ground level building uh called the garden building and we made uh powerpuff girls there um and johnny bravo was getting made there i might be leaving something out but uh there was like a sort of like kind of the series of the cast of what became the kind of cartoon network regulars were there for maybe a year and a half maybe longer maybe two um then for a while while they tore that place down we went to a, a building sort of kitty cornered from that uh like kind of on the other side of the street but then you know the exact opposite corner it was like another high rise and we worked on powerpuff girls for a while 
there. And then they set up what, what is now the, the Cartoon Network headquarters. And they had us move in there um, to, uh, I guess, finish doing the Power of Girls series. Um, it, that went into a feature production. And then uh, Gendy started Samurai Jack. They did another um, you know, season or two of, of Dexter's Lab. They did um, the Flintstones on the Rocks yeah. uh, featurette, which is incredibly hilarious. Um, so yeah, that was, uh, and I, I think I, I, I left and then went back. I left to do Clone High, which is sort of like, I don't know if that's like an end of the chapter of my life, but I left, we'd finished the Powerpuff Girls feature. I, I was the uh, lead character designer. Um, my friend Justin Thompson was a layout artist on that. Um, and he might come up later. Uh, Mike Moon was the uh, uh, art director. Um, Andy Bialk, um, Dexter Smith were also model designers. And whoever I'm leaving out, really sorry. I'm old, man. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, and yeah, so it was like sort of like we went back and forth between that and 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 uh, Samurai Jack, which probably had the best fit for me because I'm not action sort of comic guy. I approach it more from a humor side, um, but uh, it was cool as hell. It was obviously the coolest looking show of, uh, in that time, from my opinion. Um, and uh, yeah, so from there, Mike Moon said, "Hey." Um, these guys are looking for a designer, a character designer on the show. It was Clone High, and it was uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller, mm-hmm. who are now um, gods. Oh, yeah. Animation. Gods. And, uh, uh, and they were just, they were uh, young pups. They were in their mid-20s. So they were the youngest showrunners in, in Hollywood. Um, I don't know, ever, ever. They're the youngest showrunners ever. Let's just say that. Why not? Who cares? Nobody's going to look at it. Um, and, uh, uh, and, 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 uh, Dexter Smith or mentioned Dexter Smith came over to help Mike Moon had was freelancing backgrounds for that show. And, and we, we sort of like redesigned the cast from what were, uh, Dave Wasson's original designs. Uh, and Alex Kerwan had something to do with that. I think as a cleanup artist, but I could be shorting his impact on that, but, but both those guys are insane talents. Um, and uh, yeah, so we went through like a, a season, then it got canceled because uh, there was a controversy. India thought we hated Gandhi because we had a character Gandhi who was like a, a sort of a satirical character, but had very little to do, honestly, with the original Gandhi. Um, but uh, uh, they shut it down because India threatened to remove all of like Viacom's cable <laughs> from, from the menu. <laughs> and like... Uh, basically nothing it was like that no, you turn cable on it's like nothing uh and uh, uh so they're like oh well there was hunger strikes over this thing and there was a blog this is like kind of early cancellation it was like there was a blog that pointed out like look at how much mtv hates gandhi because they all, all also had a um an animated short um what was their series where they had like basically claymation uh historical figures beat the crap out of each other oh celebrity deathmatch Thank you. Yeah, with Gandhi, some other character, and they beat the crap out of each other. So, so this guy, uh, you know, like uh, uh, probably an Indian citizen, was like, "What the fuck? They hate Gandhi. Why do they hate Gandhi so much?" And did a whole like blog on it. All these sort of examples. People read the blog, and it just caused this huge sort of movement of angry people who thought MTV must must pay, <laughs> and uh, and so that show got canceled. And then uh, uh, from there. I think I bounced around. I ended up back at Cartoon Network. I uh, 
I worked at Nickelodeon off and on. I worked on it on uh, and and eventually came around to um, working on uh, the um, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, which was Chris and Phil's first feature. So they didn't get bounced out of the business like they should have been. Honestly, they should have just been run right out of the business. <laughs> um, but somebody gave them a second chance. Uh, no, they had this. They had been developing that project for a while, and uh, and they wanted to do it the way they wanted to do it, which is very different from I think what people were doing then. Now it's, it, you don't think about it, but um, doing something really graphic, cartoony, weird was not a thing. And I wouldn't say that that's the most pushed, experimental, crazy style, but it was at the time it probably was a little out of pocket and mm. uh, 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 exciting for some of us. And, uh, uh, and that's what, like, I, I, I recommended they use uh, Justin Thompson and he's there at Sony to this day because of me. Okay. I made him, I made his career and I can, I can end it. I can end it anytime. Listen, Justin, listen, Justin. In fact, let's end it right now on the air. All right, I'm just officially, bye. Justin, bye. you're done. You are done. Okay. There was a, uh, that's, was... how, that's how it can happen. <laughs> everything just goes black right now just yeah right yeah his whole world is like oh shit I, I don't have use of my eyes anymore that's how it works um we just turn them off and we turn uh, off. We, can, we can do the rest of it in dark he, he's actually almost like like I, I i'm sorry i get like a little too fanboyish about the people i work with but uh because it's weird to talk about myself isn't it like yeah man so then i drew the like, what do i do how do i do that anyway he was an incredible uh uh, uh, production design. That was like the first thing he cut his teeth on Cloudy the Chance of Meatballs. And it goes by too fast because there's incredible work done in there. And it's like, <laughs> it goes by because they had to kind of nip and tuck their way through because they 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 um, had so much material. Uh, and and when you cut it down, you know, it, it ends up it ends up like cutting designs, you know, like cutting them very short. Uh, so Flint's lab in that is like one of the most amazing sets I've ever seen. And you see it for like maybe a handful, like five minutes, something, a uh, handful of minutes, handful of five minutes. Uh, and then um, and he, he went on to do more stuff with them. I worked on Lego movie and, uh, and, and recently they, they uh, kicked up um, uh, on high again. And I, I was on that uh, as a production designer. And then we parted ways and everything's fine. Um, you know, there's a lot of a lot of good wishes. A lot of way I pray about. That. I'm sorry, I'm getting like irreligious now. We no, did I, say that I was like God doesn't exist. Everybody, okay, so just deal with it. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So, uh, so <laughs> I totally derailed your podcast. Sorry about that. No, it's perfectly. Um, yeah. So, so uh, yeah, it's um, it's the wonderful uh, sort of uh, varied adventure of animation career uh most of what i did uh especially since working when i worked at cartoon network i focused on character design so on the power of girls and 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 some on samurai jack i was doing primarily design actually samurai jack was a lot of storyboards but i've, I've done those have been sort of the two jobs when i started in animation if we're going to go back i started as a assistant animator uh for hyperion studios so I kind of cut my teeth doing classical animation, sort of Disney style animation. And then I, and, and when I worked on Ren and, first Ren and Stimpy, it was like basically as a, a animator's assistant, it's kind of a different thing. I was doing more cleanup and in-betweens. And then on the, uh, it, was, uh, it was called Rover Dangerfield, classic 
I love that film. Basically, the best thing that they made for the month that it was actually was never released. I think it all went straight to video. (laughs) The best video release of that week, bar none. I will Um, say I really enjoyed that movie, though. It's kind of good, actually. Especially if you're like a fan of animation. Yeah, yeah. It's really good. I was a huge fan of Rodney Dangerfield. I had just seen Back to... (laughs) Perfect. Uh, Amazing. So we're in Blockbuster of all places. Ladies and gentlemen. Of course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, You know, so we're in Blockbuster. And the way we used to do it was... um, I had It was me. I was the oldest at that time. My older sister had already moved out. My older brother was already out of the house and in the Marine Corps at that point. And then my uh, younger brother and my younger sister, we were the only three at home. So the way my mom would do it uh, was each time we went to Blockbuster, if you got to pick the last time, the last movie, the next sibling got to pick one. So we always get to pick two movies. Uh, so you get to pick one and then the next one, the next person got to pick one. Uh, and then my younger brother and younger sister, they always pick the same fucking movie. I I've, well, since, was... I stand, I've since changed my stance on this because I got to talk to John Pomeroy, one of my heroes. Um, but uh, the oh, land... what was it Secret of Nim or something? What was it? No, The Land Before Time. The land oh, bummer. I hated, I hated, I was so oh, by the way, I'm a big Nim fan and a big Pomeroy fan, but that I, would be rough. That would uh, be a rough one. Let me see if I can find it. I know I've got it around here somewhere. I actually like, listen, like you're a growing boy. You don't want to watch babies, baby characters. That's not really your thing. No, well, see here. Look at this. Uh, I don't know if I can uh, oh, shit. It's reflecting. Uh, That's okay. I can see it. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah. uh Charlie. All dogs go to heaven, Charlie. Thank you. Charlie from All Dogs Go to Heaven. So my wife got me that for uh, I think it was for Father's. No, my anniversary, our anniversary last year. Uh, she heard oh, brilliant talking to John Pomeroy, and it sucked because like the entire time I'm talking to John Pomeroy, I'm trying to like hold back tears because I was like, this guy Whoa. is one of my heroes. Like because he's he's one of the guys Damn. that I looked up to because that movie made because right around the time i talked to him uh i had just put down my oldest dog like the first dog i had ever i've ever had to put down louis so last you're already week. very feeling very emotional yeah because it was it was very yeah. i had him for 13 years <clears throat> oh man I had him for 13 years i had a, I had a pit mix so i had a lot of time with him and it was he had he ended up having like pancreatic cancer um so towards the Oof. end of the uh, you know, I had to like pick him up to take him out of the bathroom. Um, you know, he was in a lot of pain. So I was selfishly holding on because I just didn't want to put, I'm going to try not to cry, but I, I didn't want to put my dog down because it really hurt. Like this dog pissed me off so much, but he brought me a lot of joy too. So it was a very, very weird relationship. Um, but I love the fucking guy. And, uh, you know, just waking up and then seeing him cry because he was trying to get up fucking crushed oh. me. So, you know, I put him down. I think it was a couple weeks later. I think I ended up talking to talking to John. Um, and like the entire time I'm like fucking choking back tears. Like you can't Oh my god, it's all dogs go to heaven, of course. Yeah, that's that, but okay. I, I tell him, I tell him <laughs> I just now made the connection, everybody. <laughs> but I was thinking I was, too. I was like, because of all dogs go to heaven, it made it easier, not easier to put your dog down, but it made it easier knowing that like as especially as a little kid and even as an adult, like it made it easier knowing that like, hey, there's probably something good that my dog's gonna he's gonna be chasing something he's gonna be eating cheeseburgers he like my dog his uh louie it was his name uh his favorite thing to eat like whenever i'd pop popcorn he fucking loved popcorn and but he wouldn't he liked stale popcorn better so whenever i had popcorn uh which was like one of my favorite snacks i would always leave like a quarter of a bag and then i'd let it stale out so when i was eating fresh popcorn the next day lou i'd dump it out on the on the ground or dump it out into his bowl and he would he would get the stale popcorn um, but yeah. I, I told John this, I was like, you know, it, it really meant a lot like that movie. I didn't realize as a little kid, it made me as I got older, like accepted that like, Hey man, we're not going to be here forever, 
but like I I just felt like, hey man, my dog's doing something really cool right now. Um, and I, mm-hmm. I told him that, and then you know, Katie, my wife, she she had heard that, so she got on the old Google's, you know, typed in John Pomeroy and found that he was doing commissions and stuff like that. So she bought me a commission of Charlie, my favorite character that he ever drew, um, and like I said, a movie that was like super important to me as a little kid and as an adult. Mm-hmm. Um, so it fucking made me cry twice when I get the picture in the mail. Um, but uh, going back to to, but I told John that story, and then I was like, I got to tell you another story. I was like, I hated the land before time. I was so glad the dinosaurs were dead because oh. of the land before time. <laughs> like I, I, you, I was like, John, you have no idea. I want to resurrect dinosaurs and kill them and kill them again. Um, because but, you, uh, oh, by the way, I don't know if it, uh, if it matters, but when I speak, mm-hmm. the uh, the the box that get that gets lit up is just my name. I don't know if that affects your uh editing at all i don't think so i don't do any of the editing larry's gonna do it so he's he knows it's all all gonna be here yeah i just sit in a chair i talk shit and then we uh we cut it up or we do stuff and that's about it you guys should just cut to me reacting to everything you're saying i think that'd be best yeah perfect okay run with it try to just Um, try to match kung fu movies where my lips aren't matching they're putting different words in it yeah that'd be good i think (laughs) we should have some kung fu in this movie well, my kid, my oldest kid is on his way to a tournament right now. So he does. Uh, oh, he, nice. What what, what, is, what is he studying? He uh, does Kenpo. So uh, okay. like a whole bunch of karate. Sh- you actually said this was an MMA podcast. So um, it is. Uh, if you know, if you know MMA, Stephen Thompson, uh, his name is Wonderboy. Uh, he's a Kenpo fighter, too. So it's very karate style. It's in and out. It's very bobbing and weaving type of thing. Think karate gotcha. kid just real if that makes sense you know what i mean okay uh, it's not there's, there's bobbing and weaving i didn't even know that was a part of uh karate i thought it was like uh, more of a boxing i don't think my son knows it either because he cracked a lot when he's fighting so uh maybe he should start to you know pop pop <laughs> he needs some defensive uh, skills yeah he listens, he listens yeah. to podcasts so he's gonna get a kick out of me taking a dive or you know getting a rib out of him or whatever you want to call it I, I i did kung fu but i uh i don't think i ever got terribly proficient but uh i did uh sparring and i also took beatings yeah. in uh, the sparring. Some guys, it's just they would like, adult. I'd be fighting adults, I think it was like in the sixth or seventh grade, and they would not be holding back. Yeah, I mean, it's probably good, because I got hit really hard, and uh, maybe it prepared me for something. I don't know. Maybe it prepared you to take <laughs> on Maybe Justin impaired me. I think it impaired me. No, it, it, it's preparing you, because you're going to take on Justin Thompson after this one, you know what I mean? So it's Justin, just, wait. for you! Just wait. Um, he's never going to um <laughs> you never know uh but, who knows but i don't think so but yeah going you know going back to that it was just like uh, i hated that movie and i told him and i was like I've, I've since having kids i've kind of softened on that one it still it still gets me like it still stands the hair up every once in a while when i gotta see you know, it's like watching batman's mom die the whole pearl clutching scene every time they do a batman movie uh you know it's the same concept it's like damn how many times do i have to watch Littlefoot's mom die why do they want to make me feel so sad right now? And then I started, I was like, I started questioning everything about being a parent because of this movie. I'm like, mm. Fuck, wow. I'm going to die one day. Then he's going to be, you. you know what I mean? So, but nonetheless, yeah. uh, there was, it's, one, like, wait, go ahead. it's go ahead. the hard truths in Don Bluth movies. Oh man. He, they, they mastered uh, just cutting to the heart of everything. It's like they made everything so real, even though you knew it wasn't real. Uh, I, I just, I wish that studio, I find that I studio, the whole walkout is fascinating. I wish that studio would have lasted just a little bit longer than it did. That that walkout was big in my young mythology, animation mm-hmm. mythology mind. 
Uh, and I watched um, Secret of Nim probably more than any movie I've ever watched. I watched it over and over again. I would torture friends when they came over to get high. Watch this. Um, and uh, I make it sound like I was getting high all the time. It was literally one time that I got high and my friends and I forced my friends to watch Secret of Nim. Uh, <laughs> early stoned memories. Um, and uh, yeah, I just had I had a VHS of it and I just played the shit out of it. Mm -hmm. um and uh god it was brilliant stuff and i still i might be impartial but i still uh i think there's just some of the most insane animation uh yes. stuff that uh, john probably did of the owl and mm -hmm. uh the, the scary scary cat um it makes you hate cats and love mice that's <laughs> saying something and uh uh i understand that there's like a Maybe there's a story issue there where it's like, why are things magical? Is that science? Is the science making the magic happen? Who knows? Who cares? It's a great movie. Um, uh, yeah, so that was a huge that was a huge uh, influence on me as a kid because uh, yeah. I, I started actually seeing the Don Bluth video games. That's mm -hmm. kind of what law. Like I, I always loved cartoons, and I even had like a, a sense like ah, I, I want to direct cartoons, but it was kind of like part of everything I wanted to do. I want to be a film director. Uh, serial killer a lot of other things a lot of other things kids, <laughs> kids uh and uh and that that so the, those those video games came out and they just made me obsess just kind of troll for um uh for don blue stuff mm -hmm. it was like <laughs> magazine racks um and uh i mean that, that's literally where i found most of the stuff there was no there's nothing really out on him there was a press junket or uh, Secret of Nim, I ma managed to find. Um, if anything came on, like Entertainment Tonight or something, I literally I recorded. On the it's old ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, I was obs totally obsessed, and uh, and so I imagined I'd be working for that studio. And then I, as I got older, it's like you get you get like you start start talking to like all the jaded veterans, and they're like, you know, like like oh, I guess animation sucks, and I have to be super jaded and hate everything. <laughs> and then I found Ren and Stimpy and like everybody is like that on that show um, and uh, yeah I never did but I worked at the first my first job I there was there was uh, uh, on, on Rover Dangerfield there were there were Don Booth guys on that including the the art director um, damn it I'm like losing his name right now there's probably like Don Booth people out there who know exactly what I'm talking about You're screaming at the computer right now damn it um, anyway uh, shoot shoot and darn um are we is this a cursing cast that's watch youtube it. right yeah oh shit it. hey watch it hey watch your mouth okay <laughs> uh <laughs> uh but yeah yeah uh, um so there was like a little bit of like there were the, like i did encounter those guys in the business um uh one of the directors for um uh for over dangerfield was a guy named jeff george i think two first names uh, I don't know what else he did. I, I like I scoured his IMDb, and it's like this guy should have been had a status that was equal to like sort of how legendary his skill level was to me. Yeah. I think to everybody working on the project, he'd worked with um uh uh you know the guy uh, the guy who did uh, uh Thief and the Cobbler. Well, who are we talking about? Oh, Richard Williams. He did uh, commercials Nick for the studio. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they they animated on cells. So this guy had this like just sort of ready to go, fully cleaned up animation 
with camera effects like like wide angle and fisheye mm-hmm. just insane stuff um and i got to in between some of his stuff but just incredible and they cut a lot of his stuff out because they were the villain and the and the, the scenes were thought of being too harsh but they were like some of the best scenes in the movie where he's torturing uh rover rodney dangerfield's character the villainess um but you, i think you can still see some of his stuff in there it's still fantastic and Franz Vischer was another animator who worked on that and who was my supervisor. Steve Anderson, hi Steve, was, uh, we sat next to each other and he had to listen to me curse as I tried to animate things <laughs> like like uh, four-legged walks in perspective and that kind of stuff they give uh, you know animators who are starting out. Um, yeah. Oh, uh, uh, Franz Vischer, fast forward um, uh, you know, 30 years later or so, um uh i i uh sort of um i brought him up so they would hire him on green eggs and ham which is a fantastic show uh and has a great uh 2d animation in it and he became yeah i think second season he was one of the two supervising animators on that right on uh and still razor sharp still crushing uh crushing yeah he's still killing it um he was owning uh and uh, yeah, I, it's, it's, it's we're sort of like going all over the place. But it just um, before I forget, um, uh, Green Eggs and Ham is kind of a low key, uh, amazing series uh, for for the animation work. Part you know part of the reason is that in the storyboarding, um, uh, for the work that went into it, uh, Helen Califatic, she gave a shout out to her. She kind of put that whole thing together. Brilliant uh executive producer uh and there were um um there were a, a lot of great talented people and um <laughs> i can't name names at the moment too much pressure cut this out um and uh, uh yeah yeah um jesus i have first names and that's it i don't have first names because it was like a completely like oh these guys again because i had worked in tv for so long mm-hmm. features too but just kind of like you know cg features um it was as if i was kind of going backwards to those you know hyperion days and they were like oh these are people who were making a classic 2d kind of disney inspired animation well, some of those guys were like right out of don booth and disney studios too um and that was just like a handful of years ago uh and uh i was assistant director on that which sounds kind of important uh it felt <laughs> important really felt good <laughs> um for one of the two units okay there were only two units i was the assistant director on one of those two units okay so that should count for something <laughs> um and uh uh also frustrated character designer on that because I was like constantly trying to jump in there like you know I need to do this you make the character do that and they were like clearly like not like go away dude go away assistant director guy really disrespectful <laughs> of me um so uh yeah yeah there's like so many jobs like that where it's just like oh did I work on that I was a uh, Netflix for a little while this is a great sort of like back to back uh, design assignment as I, I worked on the show um uh inside job mm-hmm. oh. then enter galactic and then uh a cat burglar which is a sort of like choose your own adventure tex avery looking thing and they're all really really diverse like style wise 
Um, and that was kind of fun. And then, and then uh, COVID hit. Actually, COVID hit, and I was still working on some of those projects. Um, but that was that was great. That was a, I, I highly recommend uh, 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 any of those shows, particularly Intergalactic, for just for the kind of like the um, how um, you know how how uh, sort of interesting and innovative the design and animation is on it. Uh, they did a fantastic job on that show. Um, yeah, so we're we're kind of jumping around. We could focus. I could tell you pet peeves. You want me to go with my pet peeves? <laughs> it, it's up to you. But there was one thing I wanted to I wanted to circle back to because, um, you know, I, I did have Craig McCracken on, and we talked a little bit about Powerpuff Girls. We talked a lot about Powerpuff Girls, um, and then I had Fred Seibert on as well a few times, and then we talked mm. Powerpuff Girls. And there's been other people that have come on, and they've talked to to one thing. Now I, I just want to get your opinion on this one. And uh, if it's too hot button, which I don't think it really is, um, but uh, the Powerpuff Girls movie, when it comes out, it's it was said that it wasn't a success, mm. wasn't looked at in a in a good light. Um, they it said that a lot of it, a lot of features that were supposed to come after that uh, kind of forced them to be shelved or forced the the company to look at things at a different light because the movie mm. didn't do well. Now, gotcha. when I think of something that's a success or I think of something that's either good or bad, did I enjoy it? Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. Okay. So it's a success. Mm-hmm. obviously you got financial stakes in point or you have the finances that you have to pay back all the money that you put into. Something. Yeah. At the end of the day, that's like what all they care about. Right. So Absolutely. it's even to the point where like, if you're going to reference something and you're pitching, it better have been a hit or hopefully, or I mean, it's possible. It's like, it's, if it's a movie or a show that became really like a big uh, sort of pop culture success like Blade Runner or something. Yeah. That's what I lead with in every cartoon pitch, Blade Runner. This is like Blade Runner. <laughs> but better. Um <laughs> and Heartburn with Meryl Streep. Uh but um yeah, yeah. I'm I'm sorry. You, you I, I kind of cut you off. Well, yeah. gonna... uh, but what um, I, I didn't understand was was it considered a a loss or was it considered a failure because financial because I'm gonna tell you right now. I loved the movie. Going back now and rewatching that movie, it's still fun. Mm. I still find oh, cool. That's great. It's good to hear. It's but hard I, to see when when I'm working on something. I was like, oh god, oh wait, 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 did I work? Oh, do, oh, what? And it's just like super distracting when I watch yeah. stuff. But yeah. I'm glad that I know that it looked amazing, and oh, I know there's funny jokes. But I, I, it's aside from that, it's so hard to judge like how a movie is coming across. I, I saw it screened once. Yeah, I mean, I I haven't watched it probably close to three or four years. I think the last time I watched it was when I was going down. Well, shit, we're now we're in three years after 2020. So yeah, it was about 2020 because when we all got oh, to wow, the cool. restaurant industry, uh, there was nothing to do other than watch streaming. Right, like everything was shut down, like it was for most people. So, uh, you know, I'm introducing Hayden, my oldest, to anything that I <clears throat> anything that I grew up. God damn, <clears throat> getting all choked what up. Here. Is your problem? Get it together. I don't know, Podcast man. I think, host. I think I know, right? This is bullshit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's like I tried to introduce him to everything that I grew up on from all the shows because HBO Max Go, whatever the fuck it's called, was just putting out everything that was was owned by Cartoon Network. So Ed, Ed and Eddie, Curse the Cowardly Dog, Johnny Bravo. So I'm just yeah. doing everything. And then when we went through that entire catalog, I was like, all right, well, let's just start buying the stuff on Amazon. And we, we either rented or bought. I can't remember what it was on Amazon, but we the Powerpuff Girls movie. 
And I remember looking at it, and this is probably the I watched this the first time probably since it came out, right? Because it's just uh, uh, fucking high school, graduate, deployed, gone, come back, working like fucking like working like a dog, essentially. Um, and then mm. 2020 was the first time I actually got a chance to go, oh, shit, I, I have time. I'm home before the sun goes down. I'm hun- I'm home when the sun comes up. What the fuck is going on? This is weird. But we're watching the Powerpuff Girls. And I just remember thinking, I'm like, wow, this is so fucking fun. And then I start talking to all these people. And I, I can't remember if Fred was the first one that brought it up. And he was like, yeah, it just mm. wasn't a commercial success. And I was like, man, mm. I really would like to know was what's a commercial success or what's a success in a movie and a TV show? Is it just financial? Is there anything that has like when us fans think about it or when people that work on it? I think of it as a success, but what would you say it was? I mean, I, and obviously you said you've only seen it that once for that screening, but did you guys feel yeah. like something good? I don't know what, like if, if this even applies, but the, the story that we told ourselves at the time was that Warner Brothers didn't know how to market animation and that uh, Iron Giant, which you could say is an artistic, massive success. My favorite. And I think it has like, it had like a nice life on, you know, video uh, mm-hmm. rentals. <laughs> I think. Uh, uh, and that's kind of what we're, we're using as sort of like a, um, a basis for comparison, at least in terms of how it was marketed, which it wasn't. And I think uh, I remember seeing ads on buses, like literally the week it was being released. There was no, you know, like there's no build up. There's no like, hey, this is coming. Um, I'm pretty sure. Like this is like stuff that you got to figure we're probably coping hard at the time this happened. But that was kind of the narrative. That was kind of like a, like at least the narrative amongst the people who worked on it. It's like, oh, Warner Brothers, they really know how to sell animation. Uh, and they kind of blamed its uh, failure to hit on on the material, which it wasn't. We don't think it was because of that. Uh, and um, yeah. Um, also, there were funny things about it. 9-11 happened while we were working on it, and we had a lot of scenes of things crashing into buildings. I don't know how much of that made it in the final film, but it was such a, like a big part of the action scenes that we were just like, oh, God, what are we doing? What do we do about all these scenes where we have like holes Spider- in buildings? Remember the Spider-Man movie, right? You remember the Spider-Man movie, the Tobey Maguire one? I think it was... It- was it the first or the oh, second? Yeah. I can't remember. It happened right at, they shot it and then the Twin Towers were still up. And then they had to go oh, back and CGI because there's a scene, I believe, he oh, wow. webs in between the two towers and then he's just okay. up there. So they just took it out. Yeah. And then they had to CGI the towers, that whole scene out. I think they just ended up cutting the whole scene or whatever it was. But, uh, but yeah, they had the Twin Towers in that. And then when the movie releases, obviously. It you out. forget how raw and sensitive that was as a thing. Like everybody's like trying trying desperately to excise any reference to that or anything that was kind of like reminded people because uh, of the, the sort of like national trauma that it caused. Um, Powerpuff Girls, man. Uh, you, you know, you guys said that you guys were just putting something out there. Most people say, you know, you don't know what's going to be a hit, what's not going to be a hit. You want everything to be a hit, but until he gets out in the audience, you really don't know. Um, working on this one, uh, where does it rank as far as other feature films or ever shows that you've worked on? Does it rank pretty high? Does it rank pretty in the medium? Where Powerpuff Girls movie? Yeah. It's funny. I, I, I worked on a lot of really good projects, so it's a, it's a good company. Um, um, it's hard for me to put it, uh, to rank it. I would just on the basis of like everybody who worked on it, what I remember about the the, the quality of work went into it, that it was funny, 
um that it's uh uh pretty special and and, and that sounds like a, um, like cop out slash bullshit <laughs> a lot of people i know see this or think that but and, and this is my case for it is the not a lot of 2d animation being made mm. um it's a truly like 2d film um i think even at that time there weren't a lot of movies like that being made uh and uh it's like it's really a full meal and i think that um i would put it where did i put it see i worked on the spongebob movies too yeah those are i put it i put it at or just behind uh the spongebob movies which i think are awesome and for some of the same reasons like 2d like really incredible work being put into it stories are super fun very funny um i think maybe even craig mccracken would agree with me because he's a spongebob fan um so yeah there's something about these shows that, or i'm sorry these movies that they made from shows uh, quite awesome actually we, that was kind of a treat that we got that um and i think we get treated to stuff like that a lot from cartoons either that period where you, you're doing like the new samurai jack series um uh, or these movies that were made from tv shows really well made because people cared and yeah. sometimes that's that's what it takes. It's like way harder if you care than <laughs> anything. It sounds like, oh, if you care, oh, that's nice. No, but like that means you get very upset working on it uh, because you you want it to be good and it's hard. Um, so I'm not sure if you're asking me to rank it because it would take me a while to go like maybe put together yeah, a list. That's much rank. rank top to bottom, the best yeah, to worst yeah. garbage that I've ever worked on. Um. I put at the bottom possibly the recyclables, which was a newspaper and I think a soda can and some other recyclable thing. And they're like a superhero kind of team up. Yeah. That was probably the bottom. Who's leading it? But, you know, for uh, doing good deeds, I give it like a six. Yeah, it was that, environmental stuff. Six out Who of was what? leading it? No, but the only reason I can say that is because I, I, I don't think a single person who worked on that will be offended. The only other person I know that worked on is Joe Arantia, and he would agree with me. It was <laughs> fucking garbage. And I don't think you can even see it. Literally. But, uh, it was like this guy. This is amazing. This is this happens a lot in animation, or at least it happens with me, because I'm always like sort of open to new experiences. We're going down a safe road here, kids. Don't worry. But uh, we um, we met this guy, Joe and I, or Joe met him, and he was like a millionaire, and he made all his money uh putting those neon lights on the sort of bottom of cars i don't know if you remember that that oh, was yeah. like a thing in the 90s happens. he became a millionaire and he's like i'm gonna make a animated project and it's gonna be pro-environment i don't even know if he was even that pro-environment i think he thought that that was like really good trendy thing to do and he got joe joe i think directed it and i worked on it bro it was just such a piece of garbage it was unbelievable recyclables I mean, if anybody can find that, I'd be like blown away because I, I feel like it. I feel like it just got buried after we made it. That's how it feels sometimes. You work on something that's such garbage, you're just like, whatever. <laughs> Never want to look at that again. But we were like young. We just worked on Ren and Stimpy, I think. Uh, oh no, no, I was working on Ren and Stimpy at the time, but I worked on that. Weird. There's a lot of things like that. There's a lot of like like stuff that I. I'm so anyway, very safe to trash. I mean, it's possible that that guy is still alive. He's like, I'm the guy who did the neon lights around cars, which was very cool. And that cartoon is a classic. But I just, I'm not counting on that. 
I don't think his feelings will be hurt too bad. Man, he's thirty he million dollars. <laughs> he's fine. He's thirty-two. He's thirty years too late on that movie. I mean, can you imagine if him and Greta teamed up? They'd be yeah. too early because this is like nineteen early nineties when he made this. Yeah, too early. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck I said. Yeah, too yeah. For. man. You're right. This guy's an idiot right here. Um, but uh, I know we've been going for you know about two hours, only about an hour recorded. Oh, re- get out of here, have we? Well, yeah. I mean, we started recording fairly late, so we're not yeah. quite too yeah, yeah. Um, I'd love to have you back on though. Uh, we'll rotate into oh, yeah. questions that I have on. I had a lot of fun. I, you very rarely do I get to sit here and just let my hair down and uh, talk shit, have a good time. You know, I mean, I have a good time with everybody I have cool. on, but most of the time it's just like I'm gonna walk my way through this one. You're okay with burning everything down? It seems, Carrie, and I had a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> Sure. everything down and just like i said just just getting to just chat and uh ruining all my relationships all my professional relationships only- and then we can just go ahead and ruin the other half of people that i didn't did it that i didn't piss off in this actually that's like that's almost being self-aggrandizing i don't think i gave you anything that juicy unfortunately but we can get like a little juicier as i get like looser and like forget that i'm on a podcast things like that good <laughs> Or you no. catch me at like a particularly like angry moment where I really want to stick it to somebody. I think that'd be good. No, it's it's that. perfectly fine. I usually don't go down those routes. That that whole rant uh, that I was talking about with the uh, the whole fucking war thing. That's probably about the angriest I've gotten on here in quite some time, probably ever. Uh, <clears throat> that's not even really angry. It's just like I said. There, I think there's certain things that we do a complete disservice to for younger generation and folks that uh, think something like war is the logical option, which it really isn't. I I, I just don't think uh, that. I got, I, luckily, most people are kind of out on that. Like I I don't re- I don't think people are as like excited about it as they were say like 15 to 20 years ago. Luckily, and I think that's with both sides of the political uh, spectrum. Yeah, if you think of it, if there are only two sides, um, yeah, I, I, we're we're in a period where just like people are very wary of it, and and I think it's it's bad because yeah, you, you basically um, it's obviously bad, but it, it's like people lost a lot of faith yeah. um, as a result. It, it just seems like who's the evil fuckers that put us up to this thing? You know, like come on, man. Uh, so sorry, that was political. And by the way, uh, big shout out to our servicemen and women. Thank you. Uh, no, I, I mean, I, I, no, I'm like, uh, I am uh, uh, unironically um, super uh, um, admiring, I guess, of, of people who are in service because it's, it's like a, a, a actual real sacrifice that I didn't have the balls to do. <laughs> so, so, uh, and most of the people I meet who are in the service um, are also super, um, they have their shit together and are super nice. Um. And I don't mean to trash my non-service homies because you guys are amazing. Okay. <laughs> All you guys who, you know, cowards, you're great too. <laughs> you ran away when it got tough. You fucking cowards. Oh, yeah. man. Like I said, this, is, this, <laughs> this, this has been a real fun one. So like I said, I'm going to have to have you come back on. Uh, if you're up for it, and then we can uh, we'll we'll pick a couple topics and we'll just dive deep into it. That way, we can let you know ahead of time. Yeah. Like hey, we'll talk about X, Y, and Z, uh, and then that way you can get the old brain meets going and you can think about those things you haven't thought about in quite some time. Um, but there are some questions here, and I, I've started doing this because I find it really fun. Um, yeah. You know, coming up with these questions because most of the time, 
when I put out for fans questions, a lot of folks will ask the same questions that I'm going to ask or kind of cover because it's kind That's of, it. you know, it's kind of one of those things that it's just like there are some very good fans questions that when, when I put them out there uh, that they post in and it makes me think about like, fuck, dude, I shouldn't be doing this show because this person's a lot smarter than I am. But uh, but at the end of the day, it's like these ones have been a lot of fun these last couple episodes that I've done. So I'm going to continue this trend until they're just not fun. Um, but uh, mm-hmm. one of the ones that we've we've been doing for quite some time, and I forgot to actually give you this one because this is the only one that I pregame you with um, because it tends to trip up people. But we'll we'll see how we can navigate this one. So uh, you get a Mount Rushmore of animators. Uh, so you get oh four, shit. They don't have to be strictly just animators. They could be painters. They could be artists. I mean, Charles. Schultz, oh God. Damn. Van Halen, <laughs> Alec has come up. Van, Van Halen has come up. All right, all right. It's it's whatever's inspired you throughout your career. But if you can do it within animation, whether it's an animator, pink, uh, painter, writer, voice actor, doesn't matter. Sure. But you get Boy. four plus one is an honorable mention, man. Who makes your Mount Rushmore? Damn. Okay. So I'm gonna keep it old, so I don't, like I don't play favorites with people I've worked with. I don't know if that's cheating, no, but uh, Rushmore leaving out. I'm leaving out myself because it's just unfair. Um, but uh, uh, I think for me, and this is going to be a super, like anybody who knows me is like, yeah, okay. Tom Oreb is big. Uh, Ward Kimball. The Ward Kimball, Tom Oreb. Um, I should make it a triad. There should be another guy there. Anyway, those guys Mark are Davis. amazing. Uh, oh, Mark Davis is awesome. Um, I don't know if I could, but how many, how many heads do I get on Rushmore? You get me like nudging people out. You're like, fuck that four guy, put that guy. That's that. <laughs> you get four on your Mount Rushmore plus an honor. Ooh, that, that's rough because already I'm in the red and like I shouldn't have put a character designer up there because those guys have it too easy. Um, okay, Rod Scribner. I mean, this is just for me and it's going to be really boring because uh, it's going to be the same guys that I go to. Uh, for my uh, just uh, literally guys that that I was trained to uh, to um, uh, to to draw like I guess I it's like probably a terrible thing to say that but I studied their stuff really closely so um, and and this would be like Mount Rushmore but just being like the most boring sort of like okay these are the guys that like inspired me directly and it would be yeah, that's, that's uh, Harvey Kurtzman, uh, yeah. uh, the animator for Bob Clampett, Rod Scribner. Um, uh, God, it's a, who's my favorite? Uh, uh, Ward Kimball. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so we're only like three there, right? So it's not, we're not doing too bad. No, we got one more. Do we have one more? You get one more plus an honorable mention. I'm so screwed. Um, damn. This is a tough one because I'd probably think about it. They're like, oh, okay. It's like John Pomeroy is huge, mm-hmm. but kind of for a very specific period of my life when I was getting like getting into animation. So I don't know if I can put him there, uh, even though he's he's uh, maybe he's honorable mention. Um, so those guys, you know, I really love a background painter named Paul Julian. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's somebody who like d- definitely matters a lot to me now. I can't quite explain it, but it's just his paintings are really evocative. They're almost in a spooky horror genre, even when he was doing like Bugs Bunny uh, backgrounds for Fritz Freeling. Uh, but he did stuff. He did incredible stuff. He did a, there's a short called The Hangman, uh, it's a, based on a poem by Ogden Nash. Um, if you can somehow get a, a, see a print that isn't completely washed out and messed up. I think uh, Lou Romano made a print that's like blue instead of pink. <laughs> so yeah. you can watch that one. Uh, uh, but the color might not be there. It's possible somebody restored it since then. Anyway, he also did the backgrounds for for the UPA short 
Telltale Heart. I don't know if you've seen oh, that. Uh, yes, I'm a huge. I've actually okay. we're working on a big UPA project right now with me and another podcaster. We're uh, oh, doing, fantastic! Yeah, Great. we're doing a three episode deep dive into the entire. Uh, I can't remember. Did John Hubley direct that? I mean, uh, I think so. Yeah, I would almost put him there, but I'm just so kind of like touch and go with this stuff, and I don't, I don't necessarily just reference it so much. Maybe he's the honorable mention. But uh, yeah, I said I already said Paul Julian. Now I'm fucked. I can't. I can't add anybody else. I'm totally screwed. I can't even put Tom Orb in there anymore. No room. Fuck it. It's your list. Uh, it there. It's my list. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like you cut out the swear word, but it's just me being scared and not saying fuck. <laughs> um, Who's a coward now, Carrie? Exactly. I mean, everybody loves Tom Orb. I, I'm. It's, it's kind of predictable. Like if you follow my trajectory. And look at the other artists that that also did that. They're all going to say similar things. It's really sad. Um, oh, but Jesus Christ, what about Bill Tyler, Freddie Moore? I mean, I love these guys from the old Disney days. I love Dumbo. Um, what a great movie. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm laughing because like every time I say something about something, I just picture a friend of mine watching this and going. Um, uh, <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, that and and to me, like the heroes of the early Disney days, three nine old men, because fuck those guys. Um, just just <laughs> kidding. If one of you guys happens to be still alive, I love you. I think they're all dead, right? Jesus, yeah, they're all gone. Are they? Yeah, I met a few of them. Yeah, you know they called they called Frank Thomas the Velvet Knife, and that's as far as I'm going to take that. Okay, you work it out what that means. I don't know what it means. Velvet knife, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What does that mean? Anyway, uh, Mark <laughs> Davis is somebody I met, and I met. Art Babbitt, who's fantastic. These guys are so good. They deserve a head somewhere. But uh, um, Disney Revolt. Yeah, I think that one of the main reasons you hear a lot about Art Babbitt is like he was enemy number one yeah. for Disney yeah. for years. And he didn't get Such to, a good to, book. to teach it. Uh, oh, did they talk about that in like uh, mid century modern or something or uh, whatever that was? Have you read Cartoon that? It was, yeah, Cartoon Modern talked about it. There's a lot of the UPA stuff too, but yeah. uh, no, uh, Jake S. Friedman wrote a book last year. It's I got it somewhere. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I, I met I met him. He had old. a three-piece suit on. He was old. It was a Grim Network's 100th birthday. By the way, another guy, Grim Network, unbelievable. Yeah. Betty Boop animator, Snow White animator, like he has to be mentioned somewhere. Uh, it was his 100th birthday and somehow I got uh, to go. There was like a whole blue table and a Disney table. Yeah, and I've told this to a blue animator. Was like there was kind of like a little bit of tension between the tables, and he's like, I don't know "What you're talking about?" But uh, <laughs> I'm trying to remember who that was. But um, I met uh, Mark Davis was there, and Art Babbitt, who had like an insane like uh, plaid three piece suit, and he had a cane. And when I introduced myself to him, he was like a populist to the end, or whatever. Maybe uh, uh, I don't even call it collectivist. Because when I when I said hi to him, I said, <laughs> I said. Art Babbitt, you are the best. And he said, Who are you? Like, I want to know who you are. I want to connect it to you, the human being. Um, and I, whatever, I introduced myself, but it didn't matter. I'm a karaoke, but it doesn't matter because you're awesome. Um, so, yeah, so there's probably people that I left out. I mean, you know, Miyazaki has to be up there. But to be honest, I don't necessarily connect to his. I mean, his, some of his movies are incredible, blowing me away, but I don't necessarily connect to um from a drawing inspiration way is more maybe a filmmaking or maybe something else um or maybe something to strive for like maybe he's just like something you like okay something like this um 
Yeah. So UPA artists and 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 Warner Brothers artists can't really go wrong. Maurice Noble, obviously. He just so he gets mentioned so much that it's like I feel like I think I think a lot of artists will do this. They won't mention the obvious guys because like everybody talks about them. Um, but Harvey Kurtzman is huge because and he would always make my uh, Mount Rushmore because he, uh, he for those of you who don't know, he's the co-creator of Mad Magazine with Bill Gaines. Bill Gaines, uh, I think. Yeah, I got that right. And he would do he's an incredible cartoonist and he would do roughs for all these stories. Artists like Jack Davis would go over and make pretty with their inks. But uh, uh, his stuff is um, very cartoony, very cool. Um, Jungle Book is not the story by Kipling, but a collection of stories he did about about city um, life, I guess. And he did a book called Hey, Look, which is kind of like a weird comic. Like the comics don't even really make sense or make you laugh. But the drawings might make you laugh. Like the drawings are incredible. And he did it like prior to his Mad Magazine days. Uh, and he's just like a really, really um, uh, dynamic figure in comics and cartoon history because he had such a big effect on people. And yet, you know, aside from pe people who were kind of in the know, uh, he, he, didn't, he doesn't like a, have a household name. People like Robert Crumb worked with him. Uh, Terry Gilliam worked with him, and 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 I I believe carried his influence into their own careers. So it's had a huge effect. And Mad Magazine alone has been blamed for the anti-war movement, if you can believe that. Yeah. Because uh, like because because the aesthetics of kind mm -hmm. of like the the sort of anti-war, the kind of the hippie, like everything sucks. Um, some say uh, is based on on the mad magazine sort of like planting the seeds of of satire and all these kids and that would probably include me um but it's a little late for the vietnam war um <laughs> yeah so <laughs> yeah bob Clamer cartoons are amazing upa cartoons are often amazing sometimes weird um very weird honestly sometimes black bob Clampett cartoons are weird you know you can't love everything you're like okay that was weird <laughs> like why and then and then some of it's just like so banging it's amazing and then obviously chuck jones everybody loves to hate on him but his cartoons are undeniably awesome at Absolutely. times um he had a slow uh ramp up to his quality time because there's like he made cartoons throughout the 30s and 40s that were just fucking awful impossible to watch and then he kind of hit his stride i think like the, i want to say like the mid to late 40s and then and he got going and then he got pretty funny and then he got kind of like weird but he his he had such a great like uh stretch there and some would say that people like maurice noble and other people in his crew that kind of helped him reach that that sort of pinnacle um and like, i don't really? know if that's wrong i could be right but uh but it's undeniable the cartoons with chuck jones named charles m jones named on them are, are pretty awesome including uh uh the grinch still christmas um yeah yeah, there's so many guys. I mean, we could go on and on and on. I might make a list if you if you um, decide to have me on again. And I, I'm not going to hold you to it because I know you were drunk when you said that. Um, <laughs> maybe I'll make a list for that. <laughs> uh, I'll make a list of, of guys that I left out, right? As, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, a, uh, yeah, it's funny. I've, I've, I've met occasional people who are into... Harvey Kurtzman. It's like Harvey Kurtzman. Yeah, Harvey Kurtzman. Okay, good. Um, and some people, it's like really predictable because I worked with them, like on things like Ren and Stimpy, or they've known me since then, or you know, like they're just really sharp like that. And, and but you forget, you think like, oh, everybody knows who Harvey Kurtzman is, and it's like really just your group of friends that are into it. Um, maybe a few other deep comic, deep cut comic nerds. 
but uh, he's, he's fairly obscure to most people. Um, so yeah, yeah, and there's probably a lot more to say. Like I said, I feel like embarrassed and feel like I have to keep going, but that's I don't want to put you through that. <laughs> no, it's perfectly fine because, with the exception of Gendy Tartakovsky, uh, like my Mount Rushmore, it'll change to an extent. Like him, Mark Davis is mm-hmm. all on there um, i love that you have mark davis it's so funny it's the second time he's come up in this past week i think he came up some oh it might still be there might be gone though there was a disney exhibit at the huntington library that talks about like the, the uh the influence of french decorative art and like the i don't know 18th century on a handful of disney animated movies uh, cinderella something else and uh and and a beauty and the beast right there's the, there's the, the one that i missed anyway they had a sequence they had an animated scene like all the animation of cinderella turning into like her gown and all the effects and stuff and i was like damn this is so good who did this and it said mark davis and i was like oh of course he's amazing um so i was thinking about him a lot um at, like during that exhibit I was like damn he was so good i forgot how much i liked him um his work on you know, how, uh, sorry go ahead uh, just his work on cruella deville will have me captivated oh my god yeah yeah like uh, a lot of people will go with milk call but he's kind of right there isn't he like i don't know why people always have to go with milk i think it's because he, shere khan is just so like stunning as a piece of uh character animation that they like it just well, it ends up animated movie it ends up vaulting him to the top but i mean it's like yeah, Mark Davis is no slouch. All those guys are really good, but the, both those guys were the kind of the draftsman illustrators. Yeah. Like some of the because some of the good nine old men like weren't the greatest draftsmen. War Kimball is, I think, was a great cartoonist. But there's mm-hmm. others I won't mention. They were like, yeah, they're okay. But I think well, I think the strength was that you know obviously animation is kind of its own thing. It's like a kind of apart from you don't have to be just a, a crazy good draftsman to be an animator. You have to be good enough, obviously. Mm-hmm. But some of these guys were kind of unspectacular in that way, but they, you know, put it together when they were Disney animators. But let's be honest. I mean, it's, it's some Disney animation, you're like, yeah, okay, who cares? <laughs> there is. Some of you're just like, why? Okay, yeah, that was well animated. Uh, and then some of it is just like mind-blowing. It just mm-hmm. depends. It's good. There's like a wide range. Um, sorry, that was like, uh, I hope I get hate mail, okay? Send it! Okay, try me. <laughs> and I'll write you back and say nice stuff. Um, uh, all right. Yeah. Okay, so we can wrap it up because obviously <laughs> this isn't going well. <laughs> oh, no, I think this is going. Like I said, this is this has been one of my favorite episodes, and I don't tell that to oh, amazing. all, the, oh, all okay, the characters that come on the show. That's the thing. I'm not much of an artist, but podcasting guests, I'm all right. I do all right. <laughs> um the next the next one is going to be uh so there's a lot of folks that listen uh that are either working in the animation field or fans of animation so this is where you get to uh say you should go pick up these two books and every fan of animation or of anybody in animation working uh should have these on their shelf what two books book okay so we're gonna go with a kurtzman book okay uh harvey kurtzman the jungle book oh don't i want that okay scratch that it's getting boring man um god this is so like personal right because it's like it's going to be t- dependent on what people connect to but what i connected to is christopher finch's book on walt disney the art of disney i think it's called 
Yeah. Uh, which is like the early seventies. It's just like amazing. You get a hard cover of that and just smell it. Literally mm. just smell it. Don't even look at the artwork, just smell it. Yeah. And it'll, it'll get, you'll download everything. would be a genius. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, but I'm not kidding. Uh, Cause that is a fantastic book. And that got me uh, really excited about animation. Uh, and, um, uh, and the other, uh, is a cartoon modern this is a fantastic book. Yes. I know this again. There's stuff I'm leaving out that's like that's like fantastic. That's I don't a, I don't want to say uh, uh, Frank and Ollie's book because I, I think everybody said it. Yep. Um, but you're saying, you're also saying like uh, graphic novels. Damn, that's tough. I, I've like so many graphic novels. Anything by Daniel Klaus. Um, uh, he almost he almost never writes a bad comic book or draw writes and draws a bad comic book. Uh, damn. Uh, and then. Um, just as far as cartoonists go, this is going to another obvious one, but uh, Ronald Searle mm-hmm. and uh, Charles Adams. Um, yeah, I'm just, man. I'm just now. I'm getting into an area where it's just going to be another rabbit hole. Um, Peter Arnault is fantastic. Just the general aesthetic of these sort of mid-century or early 20th century uh, New Yorker cartoonists or Vanity Fair cartoonists. I eat that stuff up. Um, Damn, um, Robert Crumb, huge fan, especially his weirdo period. Yeah, uh, it's not for the faint of heart. Um, <laughs> or the pearl clutchers, or you could you could watch it and clutch pearls the whole time. Well, like watch it. <laughs> I don't know what I watch graphic novels. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, I mentioned Harvey. Anything by Harvey Kurtz, it's like you can't lose. So maybe I should have just said Gone with Jungle Book. I just you know what it is. I'm kind of possessive of it, but I don't want anybody to read that. I think it's yeah. too cool. It just makes me want to do a movie based on one of those stories or something along the line. It just, it, it permeates my aesthetic. So honestly, if I'm going to be honest, I would, I would have just gone with Jungle Book mm-hmm. by uh, Harvey Kurtzman because it just the art and the presentation and the subject matter is so cool. It, it'll remind you of like Mad Men, basically. It literally has those kinds of stories in it. It's got like this character, Goodman Beaver, who's basically like a, an ingenue out of Mad Men. Although I think the ingenue in that is, um, I can't remember the character's name, but uh, played by a woman. Uh, there's something about it where they, they, they're sort of like introducing this sort of naive young person to the rough and tumble world of whatever Manhattan. Yeah. Uh, which I feel like it's just sort of like a big, uh, uh, it's almost like an iconic story uh, in American minds. Um yeah i just i like i love that uh sort of i I go for a lot of these sort of like old-timey kind of uh uh, nostalgia although it's not technically nostalgic because i wasn't alive back then (laughs) but there's something about there's something about uh a lot of period stuff that just it's so beautiful like the movies are beautiful and then the cartoons themselves they almost look like they're old black and white films sometimes they're they're just really beautifully drawn and, and rendered uh, and that's kind of part of the fun for me. And these guys are funny as hell, uh, yeah. especially in the case of like Ronald Searle or Charles Adams. All right. That's uh, okay. So we can go to the next question, I think, because I just, I overloaded that one too. No, man, I like that it. How's everybody? No, because what I, what I like about these, these two questions, the first two questions is very rarely, well, not very rarely. Uh, a lot of times people do mention the Frank and Ollie book, The Illusions of Life. Uh, but when you guys can kind of expound past that one or the survival guide by Dick Williams, um, there was oh, a, right, right, right. a couple other, there's a couple other ones that people usually hit I think on. Those are, those are good for starting at animators. I'm trying to go with like the stuff that actually emotionally brought me in 
yeah it's kind of like get, get excited and that's definitely the christopher finch book and anything right at christmas absolutely <laughs> so you get to see those deep cuts not only do the fans yeah. get to go out there and pick up another book but i get to go out there and pick up another book and then i get to blame the previous guest when my wife goes like why are you buying another animation book i was like well carrie said i had to have this book <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, you gotta get it now. yeah it's plausible deniability it's passing yeah. the blame to somebody else so the i next- think that's good because you'll have some guys on your show and they'll go harvey kurtzman blah blah and you're like oh yeah harvey kurtzman and you know guys will be like blah 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 harvey kurtzman and he'll be like damn this guy knows about harvey kurtzman's cool <laughs> not that he's that deep a cut he's deep enough though that i think some people will be like okay you're cool yeah, You're a cool guy. Points, you know what I mean? Um, but the next you get one, me. What's Sorry, that? No. I said you get me. <laughs> That's what they will say. I hope Not so. me. I don't get you. Yeah. But these other guys. Yeah. <laughs> Most people. <laughs> <laughs> so the next one's pretty fun. If you could be a fly on the wall for any character being created throughout the history of animation, Ooh. who would it be and why? Jesus. Wow, that's a great question and and uh, hard to answer. Maybe that's yeah, what, what's meant by a good question. Good question because I don't know the answer. Yeah. Um, for what character? Well, that's really interesting. I mean, Bugs Bunny is a great character. I know there's like a fascinating sort of like series of, of sort of iterations that he's gone through, and I text every. But it actually might be a little disappointing because you'd be like oh yeah of course yeah okay yeah oh, all right all right uh bugs hardaway and uh you know tex avery and yeah that's pretty much what i thought um you would almost want to go with something that's like almost more mysterious where you're like how did they come up with that? i have no idea and it, it's hard because i've done so much nerdy deep dive on these kinds of things that uh um i feel like copping out but i'm not going to um Damn. If you want to think about it, we can go to a, another one. Yeah, yeah. Let's go move on because, damn, that is really tough. Okay. So um, okay. Uh, you're you're opening up hypothetically. You're opening up a studio. You're going to create a feature film, a cartoon. Doesn't matter. You're going to create something. So you get to bring along, and this is throughout history, right? You can bring in one animator. You can bring in one director. You can bring in one writer. You can bring in one creator, and you can bring in one director. Who's the team you're building out your animation studio to? Oh, shit. Yeah. All right. So, so start with the first. We'll just go. We'll just try to knock these out. What was the first one again? Creator. One. One creator. Yep. Oh, geez. Anybody okay. throughout wow. history. Anybody throughout history. One creator. Mm-hmm. Go with Harvey Kurtzman. Keep the theme going. Okay. What's the next one? Director. Oh, one director. Damn. Um. Whew, throughout history, that is really hard um i mean it's it's gonna sound pathetic but i i i, I admire like brad bird i think he's a great director I, I don't think you could really go wrong with him no unless he decided he hated your guts and then you'd definitely go wrong with him yeah, he's, um he's got my favorite two he, out of the three animated movies of all time uh is from yeah, yeah he's, he's a solid know. solid guy he he knows things about story that you know he's forgot the cliche goes he's forgotten things about story that i will ever uh, learn or whatever um and uh i, I think uh, it's also the temptation is to jump on the sort of like the 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 sort of pixar story thing which might get a little tiresome for people but he's kind of predates that mm-hmm. uh and he was his own thing prior to that um damn because i, I you know, it's funny because i think about damn i'd like to work with so-and-so and i like everything's like leaving my brain one animator I and mean, we talked about mark davis that'd be pretty cool mark davis or ward kimball um maybe mark davis just because 
he ends up working on characters that are a little more instrumental to the storytelling. Now I'm like falling into these horrible cliches of like, well, you know, Disney and you got to make those characters relatable and you can't get, you know, do a bunch of the cartoony stuff like Ward Kimball. I mean, that's fun as a sideshow, but you know, like these things that I used to hate when I was younger, I was like, no, I just like, let's make a cartoon. Like let's make a feature, but it's a cartoon. Um, but uh, I think, I think uh, he's good. Cause he, he's versatile. Maybe he could do something loony. Um, and then uh, what, was, what was the next one? This is a terrible list, but sorry, go ahead. What's the next <laughs> no, one? It's, it's, a, it's a good list. A, li- a list for me. Like, this is actually a great question. It's just like I'm doing writer. a better job. You get a writer. Oh, a writer. God damn. Okay, Jules Pfeiffer. Let's just like knock it off. Jules yeah. Pfeiffer is like basically somebody I didn't mention. Uh, somebody worth checking out if you're talking about like uh, uh, sort of um, comics creators and storytellers. And he uh, also wrote a couple screenplays. Uh, he wrote... Um, a screenplay carnal knowledge it was directed by mike nichols uh, there's a there's a director i wouldn't mind having on that list can i do that could i put a just sub a live action director in? let's put him in yep. get brad bird out of there come on get out of here cartoon director. Work, brad. mike nichols in there until i can think of somebody else that i like better which i probably will um but not no knock on him it's just like that's like a pretty wide now we've opened it up too wide now there's like too many amazing directors that, could, that, are, that are probably like uh at a higher level um so sorry yeah jules pfeiffer just because he was a cartoonist writer i kind of dug his vibe um uh, i love the stuff he writes about um i love his perspective he wrote plays he wrote um a lot of cartoons for playboy and village voice and if you can get any collections of his stuff from like the 50s 60s maybe early 70s it's worth your while it's pretty pretty cool pretty cool so he's very good with dialogue too sorry was and now who's the next one the last one was the voice actor. Now I'm sad because it's over. You got to come up with a voice actor. Well, Mel Blanc, right? Because it's like, who else? It like literally blows everybody up. I was going to say out of the water, but he, blows, he literally blows them up. He explodes them. Um, <laughs> right? Because like, who the hell else would you say? I mean, oh, I can tell you who. I think I think Tom Kenny is pretty awesome, and I, I think uh, uh, that SpongeBob cast is in general incredibly professional and awesome, and they're still alive, which is important. Yes. Um, but I mean, you can't really lose a Mel Blanc, and he's just unbelievable. And, and if you can, um, I think he's on like on a Steve Allen TV show where he plays like a shop clerk in a department store, and he loses his mind. And it's just a minor character. Like I think Steve Allen just tortures the shit out of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he did stuff for Red Skelton, I believe. So it's like he had, like, he brought to the table, like, all these characters that he'd been created for radio, creating for radio. And then he did, like, super underrated TV parts. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm actually proud of some of the people that I picked on and some of them whatever, not very imaginative. But I think I I think I nailed it with Jules Pfeiffer. Um who else? A really good job with Mel Blank too. Let's, go. Let's go. Who, uh, other than Mel Blank was Rob Paulson. Rob Paulson's like my Mel Blank. And he is for most people in my generation too. Oh, gotcha. So, but can you remind me what stuff cuz I'm like there's nothing no knock on I know I've heard his name. But I can't oh, match him. Yeah, yeah. But I don't watch. Cartoons he was uh, ever. in the '87 Ninja Turtle series. He was Raphael. Um, okay. He was um, fuck. I always get him mixed up. 
He was Yakko in the Animaniacs. He was also okay. Major Glory in uh, Dexter's Lab, the Captain America oh, Superman. Oh, gotcha. Uh, you know, he was Carl. Oh, okay. Neutron. He was Donatello in the 2012 um, Ninja Turtle series. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, he's, he's, he's okay. pretty, pretty. I know, now I know why I don't know. Oh. And I'm not ashamed that I haven't heard him. He's just worked on a lot of stuff that I was like peripheral to me, but would be central for somebody who grew up during that time. No, I was like, I was Samurai Jack. Was, you remember the dog? I can't remember the character. He was in the first episode when Jack is thrown back in time, and yeah. then the dog that's like the little. Um, I think that's the called? only episode I did character designs for. Was like worked. I did dogs for that. Yeah, did you do? I don't, that? I don't know if I did that dog. I did like a lot of crowds of dogs. <laughs> well, I gotta imagine you did him. Like, yeah, he dog, I did dog one and dog five and seven. Why did not two through four and then six? Ah, you know whatever. Mixing it up and giving it to other artists and stuff. That's bullshit. They're not going to give you the whole one through seven. This is horseshit. You're right. I, I'm upset now. I wasn't before. Now I am. I it's think like something to be that. upset about. Who do you want me to um, write number two? Um, okay. Dear so uh, here, yes. Here, <laughs> Lynn Naylor did the uh, a lot of the designs for those first episodes. Maybe write her and say, Dear Lynn, I forgive you. This is a good way to start it for hurting me, but. Um, it, w- it wasn't very nice that I wasn't able to design dogs. Was it three, four, and it was two through four six. and six? Yeah, because you had one, five, and seven. And I just thought I would tell you that. <laughs> yeah, it'd be good. Send it in your Christmas card. By the way, Lynn Naylor, another sort of touchstone, amazing artist from from uh, from my past. Yeah, she's she come up quite a few times too. Uh, very yeah, another very yeah. versatile. Unbelievable um, and and like incredibly influential on me and pretty much everybody. Yeah, <laughs> anybody who sort of like does the cartoony stuff. Yeah, I think I think she, like without her, you probably don't see it. Would it would be like a different landscape. Like, she's like one of those people you, you take her out of the sort of like the contemporary animation landscape. It's like things. It's like the you know like I'm trying to think of is it a sliding doors thing. What's the sci-fi thing where it's like you just change this one thing? It's like a butterfly effect, and then it's like you wake up and the world's a different world. I think it's just the butterfly. We might have we might have floating cars though. That would be that'd be good. Actually, take her out. Let's get the floating cars, and that's we can. Terrifying. It's okay if we don't have the cartoony cartoons. It's fine. I want that's the floating cars. That's terrifying with the floating cars though. Yeah, it should have fallen exactly. out. Yeah. Well, I mean, hopefully, you know, we'll have solved that problem without being distracted by all the amazing cartoons that Lynn Naylor influenced. The Jetsons figured it out. I don't know why we couldn't. Yeah, that's the that's the problem. Man, I really feel like we've solved some shit here today. You know what I mean? We did. We did. I think we I think we we saw the Jetsons. We were like, oh, it's in the bag. Everything in the Jetsons is going to come true. We needed to work hard, and we didn't. We watched cartoons instead. <laughs> do, you theory, do you ever hear the theory about the Flintstones and the Jetsons? It's uh, they built up for the Jetsons because everything below them was the uh, they essentially—I can't remember how it was fucking worded, but essentially, this is interesting. So, it's like, it was like a fly on the wall thing. Here's the thing: I just realized, like, oh, sorry, sorry, uh, you you asked me about the fly on the wall thing. Like, what yeah. character would be great to go back to it? I'm kind of realizing there's so many live action movies I would have liked to watch, but I don't know about animation as much because we kind of have heard every anecdote. And it's such a different process. It's not like you'd be on the set and watch like, okay, Al Pacino doing the scene where he blows this guy's head off. 
wouldn't that be more exciting? But instead, it's like animation. You're like, oh, is he always working on that thing? And then you like go back like weeks later. It's like, he's still working on that thing. You know, it's just not the same. You know, fuck animation. <laughs> Serpico. Okay, so sorry. Go back. <laughs> we're going to cut this entire episode. And that's all we're going to leave. That cut that out. Yeah. Fuck animation. And that's the whole episode. <laughs> the Serpico. That's it. <laughs> he has something to say. <laughs> Fuck, I didn't know we were going. <laughs> Me either. Um, oh, uh, you were going so back sorry. to the fly on the wall, though. Did you? Did you feel like? Uh, yeah, that's Serpico. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's Serpico. <laughs> Fuck animation, <laughs> Serpico. Um, I haven't laughed this hard on an episode in quite some. I, I would, I would settle for that if they're like, "Okay, Carrie, zing, you're on the set of Serpico." I'd be like, "Oh, that's cool." <laughs> <laughs> all i had to do was burn this shit down to get some. yeah i mean like i'm glad i'm not here for bugs bunny because that shit took forever and i just have to be drinking with these guys from the 30s and it would be kind of a bummer <laughs> actually would a fly do that though that's the thing i, I should have factored that a fly wouldn't necessarily go out drinking with these guys i mean they it's might like on the wall actually being a fly on the wall sounds like it would kind of be kind of not a great way to experience a creative process what do you think I don't know. I think that, that they would hear it because I don't know about you, but I fucking hate flies. And I don't even know why I use a fly on the wall. I think it's just because it's a general consensus for, you know, being around. But yeah, yeah. I absolutely. So this is going to make it's a metaphor. Crazy. It's really you like with your like 30s newsy cap going like hovering <laughs> in the background like, what's up, guys? And I'm like, who's this weird guy? Time traveler. <laughs> I just think of, I just think of oh, fuck. What's his name? Um, That's a big pile of shit. Um. Fuck. Uh, he's Jurassic Park. Um, Doctor Malcolm. What is his fucking name? What is the actor's name? He's oh, in- uh, oh. Uh, <laughs> I like how I'm saying. I'm saying it as if I'm going to say it, but yeah. I didn't say it. He was in the. Uh, fl- oh, oh, yeah. Uh, the Cronenberg fly. Yeah. Jeff Why Goldblum. can't I think of his name? Oh, I know Jeff exactly Goldblum. who you're talking about. No. Yeah, Jeff. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah Jeff Goldblum. Goldblum. So if you could be a Jeff Goldblum on the wall, you know, I mean, obviously. There you we- go. Yeah, I teleported, and I'm like yeah. falling apart. Yeah, uh, and on the wall, <laughs> I'm slowly disintegrating. Yeah, I saw that movie when I was nine years old, and it fucking scared the shit out of me. It's scary, man. I saw it, that when I was in high school, I think, and it was pretty, pretty hardcore for me. It's a fucking. It was also fascinating. I kept on watching it. That was a movie I watched um, a bunch of times. And that was the one. Yeah, that was a. Yeah, it was one of those movies. There's a handful of movies that I watched again and again and again because because it was like videotapes would be hanging around and, and the school sort of rec room they had that <laughs> what was that doing in the school rec room what uh, the fuck <laughs> it's educational i guess it was so. an art school but it was like you know it was like a yeah it was a special different kind of school that i went to uh so uh the last one this one's probably my favorite one just because it gets to bring food into it so it's kind of like the mount rushmore it's kind of like the the fucking you get five people in your, your studio but it's different because you get to cook so you get five yeah. people you get to bring you're throwing a dinner party man right so five people dead or alive doesn't have to be you have ever met them it could be your friends it doesn't have to be your friends uh but you're inviting five people over for an interesting night of stimulating conversation and a great meal what are you cooking who are you bringing over and what's the first topic you guys are talking about oh this is a question for me Mm-hmm. I thought I was going to listen to a story. Oh. I was still in story like listening mode. Okay, so first question. Let's just knock them out, just like we did the other one. We could do All it. Right, so okay, you first question. Five guests, five guests dead or alive to bring over for a dinner party. Who are you inviting over? Christ! Oh my god! And it doesn't um, have to be just animation. It could be anybody. 
Okay. Okay. Got you. Okay. Groucho Marx. Oh. Um, we're five, right? Yep. Let's Plus some heady guys. Plus me. Mm -hmm. Mostly English speaker speakers. I mean, let's be honest. You know, we don't have any language barriers. <laughs> um, <didn't> translate. <laughs> like what? You know, because <laughs> if it's like Franz Kafka, it's like I don't know what he's talking about. Um. Uh, so yeah, Groucho Marx is. I'm very proud of myself for that one. Um, uh, <laughs> shit, man, this is so bad because it's like I'm gonna leave out something really important. I'm gonna go like, oh, I'm fucking fool. How come? And then the, that person won't show up to my make believe party, and I'll feel really, I'll feel really bad. That's all right. Um, that come to the next one. Okay, so five, five guests. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm very again like like I said I'm, I'm pretty solid on Groucho as being uh, guest number one. Oh, okay, we'll st stick with movie comedians. Why not? Okay. Um, um, Harold Lloyd. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Buster Keaton. Okay. Um, and there's no shortage of laughs at this party, by the way. Uh, okay, let's go. I right, we should go with a music guy or something. Um, you know, this is this is too obscure though. I was gonna say Lester Young because he almost created a vernacular that like carried through. Like he's like a horn player, and he'd just be like a fun guy to have just to hear him like talking because he was super cool. Um, but maybe somebody like Duke Ellington. I don't know Duke Ellington. Sure, why not? I'm sure he was like a really delightful guest. Um, I guess that's three. <laughs> Duke Ellington. Just because of, like I mean, there's a lot of musicians I really love, and I don't listen to Duke Ellington all the time. But I think as a dinner guest, he'd be pretty pretty based. I think he'd be pretty good. Um, and then maybe we should get an old president in there. Should we have Kennedy? Nah, fuck that guy. He's just so super. What about uh <laughs> we kind of got our movie stars covered with it? Ah, uh, with Marlon Brando. He would hate to be there, but he's like, ah, you have to come to the party because it's on my you, wish list. You have to be here. Sorry. Marlon Brando, or are you getting skinny Marlon Brando? I'm getting I'm getting fat fuck Marlon Brando, <laughs> who has to be there. And if he leaves, he owes everybody five million dollars. <laughs> Um and then <laughs> you're really angry about the fat fuck. <laughs> I mean, like, well, he has to the um. <laughs> oh my god, I am the worst. I think what these questions make me feel, you know, I I end up end up feeling like very ordinary because I like all, everything that I'm picking is like super like obvious. Um, God, he's a really fun, interesting guy. I would almost say like Orson Welles or somebody, but he would like dominate. He actually ultimately kind of boring just because he was he's so narcissistic he'd be like shut the fuck up you know what i mean <laughs> well sometimes <laughs> nobody would want to say it because he's arson wells um sometimes you need that friend in that party to. yeah to... i'm sorry i'm trying to think of a film director and it's like really sad but i can't think of one that uh oh, like, yeah. maybe we get somebody with like a heavy italian accent though that'd be nice you get somebody like uh bernardo bertolucci just so we could talk about the food that'd be kind with of his hands. <laughs> sure <laughs> Let's go right to the, now. Now we're getting so there's some canceling material there. It's some stereotypical Italian <laughs> accents. Um, uh, I, they're all men, by the way. They're all white men too. Yes. By the way, we want to get. Speaking of which, oh wait, except for Lester Young, right? Um, um, I don't mean for that party. Billy Holiday, just get them both of there. They probably like create their own little thing. They'd be like, Lester, Billy, you got you want to join mm -hmm. us, or you just like sit in your little corner and talk. Uh, so that could be a problem. Um, and you have a swear jar. And you, you probably make a lot of money because all those people curse a blue streak for sure. 
25 um, minutes for you going I, like, I'm so like, like I'm tanking this whole thing so what's the next thing I actually have a reasonable uh, guest roster very insufficient but whatever I did it I, we, made, <laughs> we got through it congratulations what's the next thing what are we eating or something? Yeah, you get to make the food. So what are you making? I'm making the food? Yeah, you got to make something. I don't yeah. want to make the food. I want to like listen to what these guys are talking about. Yeah, oh, I guess I make, make it before the they next, get there. That's the next question. This is too much pressure. They're going to nope. make something horrible. And they're going to be like, oh, yeah, great dinner. <laughs> <laughs> like I had one chance to impress these guys and I did it with cooking. Yeah. Not a good situation for me. Um, Hot pockets? God. Yeah, this is this is like a losing situation, right? Because I'm not gonna like I my my menu of things to make are so limited. You like get takeout, I get some takeout, right? That I would do. What kind of takeout you? I don't know. Come on, (laughs) too much pressure. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Jesus! On that three part. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Let's skip over that. That's pathetic. (laughs) You get into cooking. Like I, I like going out. I like eating, but. God help me if I had to cook anything. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, you're fine. Uh, and the last thing was, what would be the uh, topic you would bring up for the first discussion for that night? What do you guys want to talk about? What are we talking about? Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> about them bears. Um, I'm going to set myself up. How about them bears, exactly. Also, they're, they're all like old-timey guys. We have to like bring up something old that you know what to talk about. Because they'd be like, internet! It wouldn't, wouldn't really Could fly with that, with that crew. Like um this witchcraft right here <laughs> right yeah what do you make of this <laughs> um oh man jesus what would you talk about it's like it's kind of begging the, it's like but it's i'm getting i'm cornering myself with the guest uh roster that i built um and then it's like what would they want to talk about no idea always something they wanted organically to work out with them who am i to impose a topic on them um they talk about the this is what we talk about creative aptitude where do we get it how do we think it works this is a fascinating topic for me actually like what what does it mean how what does it mean when somebody's creative like how, and and why do people seem to have it and some people don't and is it learned or is it are you bestowed or or can you like can you be like the most creative person in the gift but you know sorry most gifted creative person in the world but if you don't use it uh you're not really the most gifted creative person in the world because what the fuck did you do with that You've yeah. like basically squandered your gift of most creative gifted person in the world. And it's something to think about. I'm just trying to like, there's a sort of dichotomy or, or, or something to think, parse out. Like, what does that mean mm-hmm. uh, to be creative? Right. And then I think if you had those guys, it'd be some of the creative people, most creative people in the world or in history. Right. Especially Buster Keaton. Are you kidding me? Buster Young. These guys are like constantly constantly create their creative chops were at a very high level so that's that we have we'd have to talk about that even if they didn't want to i'd force them to talk about it or know whatever the fuck i'm cooking <laughs> they don't get any of it <laughs> french fries um you can't go wrong with french fries i don't think they've ever had yeah. poutine before yeah maybe they'd be really hungry and you're like okay you better like let's 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 hear this conversation come on <laughs> um yeah marlon brando's super creative too i mean it's such a weird thing to say but when you think about some of these artists like damn they had a lot of ideas they had like like almost at a breakneck speed that's almost the thing that they have in common that they were constantly creating notions funny one-liners um ideas for movies ideas for music ideas for characters in the case of 
Marlon Brando. I like my list, okay? I like it. I'm not going back, not taking anybody out, not disinviting anybody. Well, that's good, man. That's the kind <laughs> of a uh, a true party guest, a party thrower right there, man. Uh, you're sticking yeah. to it. Well, like I said, Carrie, this has been fun. I can't wait to do this again. Oh, okay. Uh, well, it, it's... Like I, I really, I really uh, weaseled out of the, the cooking thing, didn't I? I'm apo- I apologize. Oh, it's, I don't it's... think it'll be very interesting, whatever I had to say about that. Uh, man, man, who knows, man? You might make a mean mac and cheese, but I do judge people very harshly on mac and cheese. I will be honest. Yeah, it's easy to fuck up, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say it's easy to fuck up. It's it, it's easy to fuck up. Uh, it's I think it's hard. It's, I don't know. There's just a few things that I think uh, not runny, not runny mac and cheese. How about that? It's like good not enough. runny. You got It's got to be creamy. It's got to be mac and cheese. Got to be. I think I pull that off. If that's my only, be, if that's all I have to do for this party, I think I can do that. I think I can. It's it's thick with two C's, as the kids like to say. Um, but yeah, man, like I said, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, like like I said, when you, you said you were going to come on, I didn't know really what we were going to talk about because I really showed you my notes. It was literally your name. I tried to make a stop sign. Didn't work out. So I started <laughs> coloring. And here we are, man. I like, I but you know what it is? I, I think the design of the, what is that, an octagon? What is that for a stop oh, sign? One, two, yeah, it's three, an octagon. Four, yeah. The octagon uh, informed the the uh, the multi-layered conversation that we had which consisted so. of exactly eight layers and people go back you'll see what i mean yeah we covered it's a there, lot of there, trust me I, I think yeah. really solved a lot of the world's problems um i think next time we're gonna have to do costumes though what do you think oh shit um uh yeah 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 i mean well you know costumes as a, as a character designer is kind of an interesting thing i guess if yeah. people are want to get super dorky about animation, um, um, and yeah, we didn't even get into it. Like, hey, how do you learn to be a designer? Which might be something worth covering. Uh, you know, like how how do you how do you do it? How do you draw yeah. stuff? Yeah, stay stay okay. tuned is what Carrie's saying, ladies and gentlemen. If you want to hear us, how do you become a character designer? Write in. It's it's funny. That's usually the stuff I'm I'm asked to opine about. So it's like I'm I, like I'm I'm actually amazed we didn't even touch on it. But it's like, you know, to be like uh, practice drawing, kids. Keep a sketchbook. <laughs> Keep doing it. Draw on paper. Draw right. on paper. Uh, well, uh, paper every day. Carry a sketchbook around and tell people think you're like that weird person with a sketchbook. <laughs> That's what your goal is. There he goes. Socially oh. weird with a <laughs> sketchbook. <laughs> Otherwise, you're just never going to get it. Sorry. There's no other way to do it. Um, 10,000 hour rule. Yeah, totally. totally. Yeah, exactly. Malcolm Gladwell, 10,000 hours with that sketchbook. You actually have to be drawing, though. You can't just be like posing with it or whatever. Yeah, I mean, don't draw octagons either. Draw more than octagons, ladies and gentlemen. It'll, it'll if you do draw octagons, be like the best octagon drawer that animation has ever seen. And be like that guy. Like, we need an octagon guy. Or, <laughs> or gal. I'm that guy. Well, no, I'm not really that guy because I think there's actually nine sides to my octagon. So I fucked up. I failed math, really, is what I'm getting at. So You know what? That Maybe that's, that's your thing. Yeah. Like, I don't draw octagons. I draw... Whatever the nine-sided one is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Carrie, where can the ladies and gentlemen uh, go and find you if they want to say, hey, Carrie, I like So I'm pretty easily found on on, on Instagram, uh, just under my name, C-A-R-E-Y-Y-O-S-T, which you probably can see it on the video. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, 
the cartoon buy one get one free is uh i think i uploaded it from an account i have uh and um oh sorry um why not world game is a uh a site that i'm currently working on uh illustrations and uh god how to it's it's basically it's sort of the beginnings of a proper way to have artists and idea people uh fund their own projects um so it's pretty exciting um but i'm downplaying it see how i'm downplaying it yeah i'm being super cool about it it's like yeah whatever you just like it's change the paradigm and you know um fund your own work what um <laughs> uh so yeah why not world game uh and yeah yeah i think uh my my friend rome Baharo started this company he's on uh twitter worth a follow follow and you can probably sort it out from there you'll see the artwork we've been generating for it and that kind of stuff artwork doesn't get drawn painted or made it gets generated okay we're in the 21st century now start using adult words <laughs> all right I don't know why is it generated. It's such a dumb word. <laughs> it's all right though. You know, <laughs> oh, forgive yourself. <laughs> oh. Um. Anyway, guys, cool. I'm glad you were punchy. It made for kind of a fun ride. Um. Uh. This is a cool show. Yeah, I'll come back if you want to have me. Uh, thanks, man. I absolutely yeah. come back, especially if this recording doesn't work out. <laughs> oh, this like, recording, yeah, we lost everything. This What's recording that? working. This recording's working out for sure. Okay. Uh, and what if we had to like re like we had to like kind of do the whole thing? Let's so remember what you said. Let's just go through it and just have the same conversation. And I've got some notes here. Let's do it in reverse. Oh yeah, that'd be good. I don't think anybody's ever seen that. It'll blow people's minds. Yeah, I mean, or yeah, they'll be just... ready. <laughs> you know what? The people who are cool will just hang out and experience it. All right. Um you're awesome. I was trying to sign off, so I, because I'm out of I'm out of funny things to say. Oh, it's maybe a, I've never really had any funny thing to say, but in any case, subjective. I yeah. think I'm hilarious. I, I think um, you're, I think you you made me laugh quite a bit on this show, and you don't have to worry about the wrap up because I do that wrap up quite. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I actually I leave me. I'm like trying to get the wheel. I'm like, let me wrap this up for you. Jesus, take the wheel. No, no, there I, you go. Yeah, Jesus could could wrap it up. That'd be good. <laughs> I came up with this one when I was in the shower. So he's been Carrie. I've been Julian. It's been a What's My Head podcast. And this has been another piece of your childhood. Good night.